In the ever-evolving field of public health, staying up to date with the latest research, advancements, and best practices is essential for professionals dedicated to improving the well-being of communities. Continuous learning encompassing formal education, professional development programs, and self-directed exploration is key to ensuring the public health practitioners are equipped with the knowledge and skills needed to address complex challenges of our time. Hello everyone, my name is LaShawn, your host for this episode, alongside my co-host and best friend, Gordon Thane. Howdy. Gordon, let's talk about this. Tell me about continuous learning. What's that all about? Oh, you tell me. You seem to be doing something every day. You're right. always enrolling in courses, sending me stuff, read this, read that, more school, more this, more that. So what, me, why do I do that? What's the reason? I don't know. You tell me, man. <laughs> I, I don't know why you do it. I do it for several reasons, right? Career <laughs> advancement and just to learn new things. But in a nutshell, all it is is continuous learning is taking the steps to build on your competencies, your knowledge, your skills to achieve some kind of goal, whatever that goal is. Mm -hmm. And it looks different for everybody. And I guess we'll go into how it looks different for me and how it looks different for you because you have an interesting approach to this. Okay. So it sounds similar to lifelong learning. So you're always just self-motivated to learn more knowledge about the field, respond to some emerging needs, whether it's at your company, your organization, or in your personal life. So with that in mind, and we always talk about this in public health, do you see a reason why it's particularly important in that field? It's important in many fields where like health, for example, is the main outcome, mm -hmm. whether it's clinicians, individual level health, and then public health professionals maybe at the more population level. So that's where it's very important. And many other regulated health professionals are required to, they're required to mm -hmm. continuously learn through professional development units or, or getting continuing education credits. And public health doesn't necessarily have that mandated standard. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why you should do it because you don't want to fall out of touch with the latest practices, the latest evidence, the latest ways of doing things. And it can help you integrate into the workplace. Like public health has evolved so much since COVID-19 already. So you're already behind if you hadn't really done anything for the last four or five years. Yeah, exactly. And that actually reminds me the point about having standards or regulations in public health. In, in sort of in terms of prof professional development. And that just gets me thinking about something we've talked about in the past, certified in public health certification by the National Board of mm. Public Health Examiners. And their goal really is to just standardize the field of public health. Everyone has an MPH, for example. But after that, there's no sort of standardization about, you know, being accountable for keeping up to date in the field. So what the certification essentially does is mandates you to take X amount of credits in different areas that they deemed important to stay up to date as a professional and have that updated best practice and understanding of the field. And in that way, 
all the public health professionals that are certified will have that knowledge in a more mandated fashion, right? So Gordon, are you going to go Touché. get your certified in public health now? No, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm good. I see the value of it though when, especially for folks who are finishing their education mm-hmm. recently and there's situations where I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, LaShawn, like in mm-hmm. the States, if you completed a CIF accredited mm-hmm. program, even if you don't have your master's, yeah. you're still able to write the CPH exam in some circumstances. Yeah. So they I mean, added a requirement where uh, if you worked in the field long enough, you can write it without going right. to a CIF accredited MPH or DRPH program. Oh, mm-hmm. really? So you don't even That's need correct. to. So there you go. That's another way in for people who may. We've gotten questions about mm-hmm. that before. And that's a way in for there's a lot of people who have a lot of experience mm-hmm. who went into public health many yeah. years ago and are having a challenging time taking the next step or making the jump. That might be an avenue to pursue if you don't want to do formal education like LaShawn and have masters and PhDs and DRPHs and all <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's useful for a lot of people. Me, not anytime soon. I tend to look for things that I'm not mm-hmm. as good at or I look for pain points in mm-hmm. public health, right? So one of the things that we talk about, project management, once you start working in public health, you're like, wow, 90% of what we do is actually projects. Mm-hmm. So I should probably get good at learning how to do projects. Yeah. And then you're looking at quality improvement, for example, processes, mm-hmm. procedures, that kind of thing. And then change management. So you're having a lot of these transformational discussions in your organizations and there's a science for how to get something from a current state into a desired state through mm-hmm. change management. So that's those are the types of opportunities I'm interested in personally and I have pursued some of them today. So let's dig a bit deeper because I'm wondering, is this something that you only can do outside your formal employment or are there opportunities at work to learn different things and embark on the process of continuous learning. Absolutely should be learning stuff at work, especially if it's a new position. And a lot of employers give, depending on the size of the organization, the internal capacity, sometimes there there are departments that are dedicated to training you in a specific area, how to use a system, a tool, or specific framework or a specific approach. And obviously those, I would call those more job-specific professional development where in your specific job, you're developing the skills that you need. But outside of that, you have things like in terms of professional practice, there's webinars happening all the time, conferences, seminars, where you can kind of go outside of your Mm -hmm. formal employment or your job-specific role to learn skills that are more broadly applicable. So that's another avenue that even some employers will allow you to go and pursue if, depending on what processes they have in place, they might even cover some of the costs as well. Okay, so it seems like an interesting thing. And you already know that both of us embark on this, the effort of continuous learning, painstakingly, I would say, many times. Some more, some more than, than, others. So than others. But we, we talked very briefly about the benefits of doing this. And you mentioned a goal. Usually it's for like a specific reason or goal. 
Can you talk about some of those reasons or goals that people want to achieve by doing professional development through continuous learning? It depends on where you are and, of course, the goal. So let's talk about some goals and then work Mm. backwards a little bit. So you might, maybe you finish your master's, you have no desire to pursue formal education and you are still have, you're still driven to to advance your career, whether it's with the organization you're currently at or in, at another organization. So you might look at in that domain that you currently exist in your role what, that you want to grow in, you might look at what skills are in demand that you can pursue to stand out and then look for opportunities to learn or develop your knowledge further in that. And you could get that through cert- courses, certifications, certificates, or just kind of reading and watching videos and learning on your own that, that's obviously one way to go and that will help you advance your career however you decide to choose to use that the other one is well i just want to learn i'm not able to even i'm just out fresh out of school hmm. the market's very competitive everybody has an mph <clears throat> everybody has an mph and i'm having difficulty standing out well certifications, continuous learning of any kind that you can document on your resume or speak to an in, or speak to in an interview is one way for you to achieve that goal of landing your entry level position. That's one way. And then you have people, I won't All right, LaShawn, say the names LaShawn. who just want to learn. I know learn, what you're saying. Who just want to learn. No no particular end goal for career or school or just bored and want to learn more and that's great i'm not chastising those who just want to learn i just don't have the time to to learn for learn's sake all the time like LaShawn. but that, that's also the reason that's good is because you can tap into that later if you need it you're not scrambling to do continuous learning for the sake of a goal if it's already integrated into your regular routine because you already have something so in that sense, it's good, but it's not for everybody. For your information, like, for your information, is, he's referring different. to me doing epidemiology courses and ep- health equity courses at 3 a.m. So I don't blame him. Yeah. Instead of Netflix, like normal people, normal people would watch Netflix, you know, watch the top 10 shows or movies. But LaShawn's doing some kind of course about the history of public did, health. Did you watch the latest One Piece no uh, live action? See? I still watch no. one. I still watch Netflix. You watch that? It's all good. All good. Okay, that's good to hear, <laughs> brother. Good to exactly. hear that you have a life. So let, let's dig mm. down with the con- concrete example here. So I'm gonna just talk about how one of the avenues I decided to take my career was learning more about digital marketing. And you might be wondering why the heck would you be learning about digital marketing? That seems like seems like more of a business type share. thing. You go to school in your undergrad for marketing in like a business administration type stream. But for me, it was about learning. When we're talking about people, they spend a lot of their day in a digital environment. And when you're talking about public health interventions, uh, campaigns and promotional activities, we're trying to reach people. And where are they going to be? A lot of the times they're going to be on that digital environment. So let's understand that digital environment. I think that's a reasonable thing to do. Understand how it works how people see information, the types of digestible information that people you know, react positively to, the types of things, 
advertisers do to get ads on platforms, paid ads and stuff like that? How does that, how is, does that information get received by the end user? And a lot of times digital marketing can answer those questions and help amplify some of the tools we have in health promotion, for example, to have a better outcome. So me gaining those skills and becoming an expert and becoming double certified in digital marketing has allowed me to expand my skill set and help my team in different ways and lead different initiatives that weren't a possibility before. So that's just one way that this can come into fruition here. You can almost say that digital environments is pretty much Absolutely. a social determinant yeah. of health at this point, right? You have physical environment, social, or or at least a part yeah. of the social environment, social determinant of health, because people are a hundred percent influenced by the digital environment yeah. in the. And physical I don't know about world. you. I find like in my previous workplaces, there hasn't been too much emphasis on knowledge in that digital environment. Everyone still kind of thinks about mm-hmm. you know pencil and paper, you know, radio, TV, ads, mailing people, documents, handing out flyers. But I think there's different ways of doing things nowadays. It's because I don't Mm -hmm. think we really understand it. I think that's, that's really what it is. And the more we can get people from that domain who maybe were trained in undergrad and not coming over to public health, the better we're probably able to leverage those tools for the greater good but we're not i think there's a bit of a knowledge gap in public health when it comes to yeah and of course it's not going to be leaning all the way to one side or the other it's going to be more of a balanced approach as you like Mm -hmm. saying there's going to be people that you could reach better in those more traditional uh, traditional mediums versus more Mm -hmm. digital mediums so i want to talk a bit about how you're mentioning let's start with the goal and work backwards how do people actually start thinking about ways to engage in continuous learning? I know you said start with the goal, what goal you want to achieve and work backwards. Yeah. But what yeah. kind of things can people do, like practical tips or strategy for actually doing this? Yeah, so the goal, yeah, you, you, people have several reasons. We went through that already. And then when you're working backwards, you're thinking about the how. So if, you're, if your goal was something that you can use to enhance your your applying for jobs, something that you could put on your resume or showcase that will increase your chances of getting employed. What you choose might look something like a course or certificate or a certification. If you're just curious about, for example, you're in a certain field, maybe you're in infectious diseases and you want to move more properly to climate, to environmental health, that continuous learning might take place from mentorship, learning from other people, going to webinars, going to conferences, going to seminars. And that's maybe how it's like a more informal type of learning just to learn about something that you're more curious in and you don't necessarily need something to showcase that you did take those steps. It's just for your own selfish reasons, which is can be a good thing. And then the other practical side of it is well, maybe you have something that you need to do at work where you're doing some epidemiological analysis and some logistic regressions or how to use R or how to use uh, SPSS or whatever. And then you're just looking online for tutorials and things like that to give you skills and knowledge in that area that you can apply to your job specific task because 
I'm assuming that they they were not offering that support at the time. So that's what there's there's some practical things like that, depending on what your goal is in terms of how you can engage mm-hmm. in continuous learning. And one of the kind of practical things that Gordon and I have found is you can volunteer at different organizations and learn different things. It doesn't have to be a, okay, I'm going to complete this course, get an 80 or 90, and then call it a day. You can embark on that more continuous learning aspect by volunteering on a longer term basis at an organization. Gordon and I are both board of director members at our respective organizations. And we learn a lot of different things from the different board directors at our organizations because they come with different experiences in their different fields outside of public health, for example. It could be the social sector. And these type of insights generated by these professionals go a long way in amplifying your practice and help you consider things that you might not have considered before, at the same time, helping amplify the mission, vision, and goals of the organization you serve. I'm glad you brought up that example because one of our goals down the line is to pursue leadership roles in public health. So one of the ways that we identify that we could do that is through volunteering as board members for reputable community agencies. Now, why the board? Well, ask yourself, what skills does a leader need? So, of course, a leader is not necessarily the one doing situational assessments, literature reviews. They're not necessarily doing or applying technical skills. So we look for opportunities in terms of what a leader might do in terms of the administrative skills, the budgets, the strategic visioning, and those sorts of things. And then identified how we could go about getting those skills. And through our conversations with many people and opportunities that came up, the board was a great prospect for us to cultivate those skills and knowledge. And it turns out that we probably are learning more than we expected in those roles. And we can very much use that in future roles Absolutely. as well. So I'm listening to us talking right now, and it seems like a lot. It, there's obviously some challenges and barriers to even engaging in continuous development, whether it's I'm tired, I don't have enough time, I don't have the resources, I don't know where to begin. I have family that I need to take care of. I have a dog named Theo and Tyson that I need to feed three times a day, or I don't even know how many times a day you feed them, maybe twice or something. I know your vet told you. You better not have fed them okay, three okay, times when twice, you babysat them. And some treats on the side gets them going. Okay. So, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> You're going to lose your privileges there, bud. But um, all that to say... This is not for everyone, but how do we overcome some of those challenges and barriers when life gets in the way? Mm. Yeah, it's a tough one. That's a tough one. I think it it comes back to the goal, though, because you you don't have to do everything at the same time. Right. So let's slow down. Identify. You might have a goal within the Mm. next year. I want to X. You have to set goals. So life happens. I get that. So let's take set achievable goals, too. So if you're going through, you're buying a new house, you're going through life changes, maybe you're starting a new family, starting a new job all at the same time, a big goal might not be as realistic. So just set small achievable goals. You could include just watching a one-hour webinar in the next couple months. 
Just set very small, achievable goals. So that's the first thing. Because if you don't set yourself up to succeed, you'll probably fail and then you'll feel bad about it. And then you keep feeling bad about it and you keep pushing the can down the road. So set something achievable and realistic. What we did for our, and then when you work full time as well, it's more difficult. So there's different contextual factors that motivate someone or demotivate someone to pursue something at a specific pace. And I think just a understanding of the time it will take to accomplish that goal and the capacity that you have to do what is required to accomplish that goal, that's a good place to start mentally and then commit to it and then give yourself a couple grace here and there, but commit to it and try your best to see it through. Whatever it is, it could be something very big or it could be something small. Just be aware of your own circumstances. And I think a great first step for everyone listening today is click the follow button on Spotify, Apple Music, or whatever platform you're listening to for Public Health Insight Podcast, because we release podcasts weekly, which can aid in that process of continuous learning. So if you're already doing it anyways, like you might as well Mm. just listen to us weekly, right? Yeah. I promise we didn't (laughs) plan or set that up. I never, I never thought about podcasts as continuous learning, but they are. You know, there's many ways. Mm. There's many ways to learn. If you're on your drive, just pop in a podcast, listen to it. You know. So, mm. I know we talked about a lot today. We're talking about continuous learning. We're talking about going above and beyond the responsibilities and roles you might have. So, what do you want to say to our audience before we leave, Gordon? I would say. The most important thing for anyone who maybe you've been struggling before to to get things moving in the way that you would want, you'd want, or you're just not as motivated you want to, but you just can't find the level of motivation, a very, very critical, underrated part of doing this is to have a challenge circle or a challenge network. And what that is, is Mm. a group of colleagues or friends or whatever it is who have similar interests in maybe professional development who can create that culture of pushing each other forward, motivating each other, being there when times are rough. And that's exactly how LaShawn and myself function. We have between the two of us, we have some other friends who are very invested in sort of their career development. And we motivate and push each other, support each, support each other when times are down. And you have a group that like, really cares and is invested in it. Because I know sometimes if you have a friend who maybe isn't in public health and they're not really familiar with professional development, say, hey, yeah, I finished my course. They're going, oh, that's great. Congrats. But then if you have people who've done it, who knows what it took and whatever, they can be more excited for you for completing it. And then that fuels you even more. So that's very important to find just at least one other person who's maybe been having the same conversations as you and then you two kind of work together to motivate and push each other, keep each other committed and motivated. So that's my final takeaway there. So Gordon clearly hasn't ever written a scientific paper before because he should know that he shouldn't drop new fire facts at the conclusion part of anything, Mm. but I'll allow it. Because that was a good point, and I truly believe challenge circles and groups can elevate your practice in whatever you're doing. 
So I can't top that. So I'm going to shut up for now. This is LaShawn and Gordon signing out. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.